Well, don't give up hope, because hope remains alive and strong. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury for National Preview Online, and welcome to another National Preview Online podcast. If you have not already done so, please subscribe to the show. Go to the iTunes App Store and just simply subscribe to NP Online. In the alternative, if you have an Android device, you can go to the Google Play Store and download the Podbean app. Download that app, and you'll be able to listen to our show. And you will get updates if you subscribe uh, as soon as we record a new episode. So please do that, and um, by all means, give us a review. You can write a review on either Podbean if you're an Android user. If you are an iPhone user, I would prefer that you write a review in the iTunes App Store itself. And please, if you can, don't just click off the number of stars you want. Don't just click off a five-star review, although we, we, we love five-star reviews. But make a few comments, even if it's only one sentence, because that helps the show to come up more frequently in search-related um, uh, results uh, for a conservative podcast and alternative media and will cause the show to grow. Thank you. Well, I all hope that you um, had a good Thanksgiving yesterday with your families. I know that at um, my family's Thanksgiving, we had uh, 12 people in the house deliberately to violate Governor Cuomo's edict. We dare him to come and try and arrest me or give me a fine because we have, we have no doubt that uh, El Supremo, Benito Cuomo, Il Duce, uh, had more than 10 people at his home. So I think uh, I'm a little bit fed up, as I'm sure most of you are, with the do-as-I-say-not-as-I-do crowd. We saw it with Governor Newsom out in California with his intimate dinner for 12 that was supposed to be out among the stars but was really shoulder-to-shoulder indoors in a room that was a little more than a large phone booth. So, so much for social distancing. In any event, I hope you gave thanks yesterday because there's a great deal to be thankful for. Not that we simply still, despite recent events, live in the greatest country the world has ever seen, but the notion that, uh, or the likelihood rather, that that country is going to remain great, and not because Joe Biden has been deemed the president-elect by the mainstream media. On the contrary, precisely because I don't think he's going to be president. Now, we have a lot of developments that happened over the last few days, and some of it didn't get covered Uh, because of the holiday, and the mainstream media is doing its best not to cover a lot of these things. However, the paper of record now, I think, for conservatives is the Epic Times. And before I get into the evidence, let me just tell you a little bit about the Epic Times. The Epic Times is a conservative paper, which is described by mainstream papers, supposed mainstream papers, uh, such as the New York Times, as a right-wing propaganda paper that spins conspiracy theories and um, unchecked facts. Uh, Nothing could be further from the truth. It gives very, very good news, in my opinion. And, in my opinion, the New York Times, if the Epic Times is a right-wing conspiracy theorist magazine, the New York Times is nothing more than a left-wing rag. That's about the, the level that it has sunk to. I get much better information of the Epic Times. In fact, so much so that I have recently canceled my subscription to the Wall Street Journal because they have lurched far too too far to the left. So, Sidney Powell, the woman that uh, people speculated as to why 
she left the Trump team or why the Trump team parted company with her. She's working on different theories than, than the Trump team is working on, but all to the benefit of Donald Trump. She has also made some remarks about some powerful people in the state of Georgia and elsewhere. And I guess the campaign was worried about libel lawsuits and so forth. But Sidney Powell filed a massive election fraud lawsuit late on November 25th, the day before Thanksgiving. She fired two, filed two of these lawsuits, one in Georgia and one in Michigan, basically alleging the same issues. And they, they, um, she cites multiple violations of both the Constitution of Georgia and Georgia state laws, um, as well as issues pertaining to Dominion voting systems. So let me just give you some of the highlights here, because we have quite a few stories about uh, litigations. In fact, t- most of today's show will be about the litigations that are surrounding the election to try and give you a little bit of a, of a, um, of a boost psychologically and emotionally so you don't fall into this malaise thinking that it's a foregone conclusion that um, Sleepy Joe is going to be the 46th president of the United States. The Georgia suit, it's listed on um, Sidney Powell's website, it was filed in the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Georgia, the Atlanta Division, against Governor Brian Kemp, Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, and other election officials in the state of Georgia. The suit, of course, is asking for the court to decertify the election results in Georgia and impound all the voting machines and software in Georgia for expert inspection by the plaintiffs, among other requests. Now, the plaintiffs listed in the party, since Trump is not a party to the lawsuit, are Republican Party nominees for the Electoral College, the Cobb County Republican Party chairman, uh, Assistant Secretary of State of the Republican Party. This is a 104-page complaint that says it has in, uh, lists incontrovertible evidence. Now, the Board of Election Records uh, demonstrate that there were at least, are you ready for this? Now, mind you, keep in mind, in the state of Georgia, the margin of victory right now for Joe Biden is about 10,000 votes. It's less than 11,000 votes. And the Board of Election Records in Georgia demonstrates that at least 96,600 absentee ballots were requested. These are ballots that have to be requested by a voter. And they were counted but were never recorded as being returned to the county election boards by the voter. Now, what does that mean? That means that the voter never requested those absentee ballots. Those were ballots that were requested for them by these people engaged in the fraud. They never went out. They were just requested because you can't count a ballot that hasn't been requested. So they made a fraudulent request to generate the absentee ballot, then filled it out for this person who never knew they had requested it, and then counted it. But the ballot was never sent back from the voter. Thus, at a minimum, 96,600 votes must be disregarded. And you can rest assured you know who those ballots were filled out for. And even if you wanted to say that uh, only... 70% of them were for Joe Biden, which we know it's a lot more. Uh, That would reverse the election in Georgia. Okay, So that's what you got going on here. And the suit, of course, takes particular interest with uh, or issue with the 
election software from from Dominion, and they they want to know why it was recently purchased and rushed into use by Kemp and Rap and the. Uh, Raffensperger and the Georgia Board of Elections. No involvement from the Georgia State Legislature. All done at the executive level. Surprise, surprise, surprise. But let us move on. Things aren't just happening in Georgia. And mind you now, a similar lawsuit filed by Powell in the state of Michigan, alleging many of the same things. Now, Georgia, I think based on that, that's a pretty strong argument. If they can show that those absentee ballots were, in fact, never returned by a voter and therefore never requested by a voter, those ballots are all invalid. And Georgia falls to Trump. That's 16 votes. Now, Trump currently sits at 232. That puts him at 248. And now let us continue. There's a data scientist who's speaking about a weird spike in incomplete Nevada voter registrations and the use of casinos as home addresses. An affidavit filed by Republicans in Nevada, citing a data scientist, shows an allegedly inexplicable jump in voter registrations in the state. The scientist's name is Dorothy Morgan. These affidavits, she said, were missing the sex of the voter, the age of the voter, as well as the registrations where the casinos and the RV parks are. Citing other presidential elections as a reference point, Dorothy Morgan said there were 68 voter registrations missing the critical data in 2016. But in 2020, there were 13,372 voters missing that data. Now, the margin, again, in Nevada, very small. Those 13,000 votes, the vast majority of whom are for Joe Biden, if they're disallowed, Nevada falls to Trump, which is another six votes, which puts him at 254. 13,000 votes in Nevada whose voter registration revealed no sex and no date of birth. So there's no way to even verify if the person is old enough to have voted. Okay. So that's what's going on in Nevada. Now let's get to more important things. There's another mathematician who's looking at a host of things that he can prove along the lines of Sidney Powell in terms of the, re, um, the results. His name is Brainard. We will talk about him probably on tomorrow's show because I don't want to go too long today. But in uh, Michigan, this is something new that a lot of people aren't aware of. Actually, we'll go back to Michigan. Let's continue with what we already know. Now, I don't know if any of you had the time on Wednesday to view the live public hearings that took place in Gettysburg and how, how appropriate that the hearings were conducted in a hotel, public hearings in Gettysburg. Because Gettysburg, the Battle of Gettysburg, was the battle that literally broke the back of the Confederacy and resulted in the Union Army uh, able, being able to go on and win the Civil War, thus saving the Republic. So I think it's quite poetic that one of the major hearings that exposes the massive extent of the fraud that went on in this election should take place in Gettysburg, and hopefully that will be the catalyst for other actions throughout the country and other um, courts and state legislatures following suit to, 
to undo this unjust result that the press in this country is, is trying to say took place. Now, it says the Pennsylvania court rejects, rejected Trump's appeal. This is the third U.S. circuit. There's many things going on in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is very interesting because it was the, it was the one state where the, the evidence of fraud was so massive as a matter of how many votes had to be eliminated uh, in terms of Trump's lead. With 64% of the vote in on election eve, now we're talking about a state where 6.5 million votes were cast. So with 4,200,000 votes approximately counted, Trump had a lead of over 700,000 votes. And we're supposed to believe that that 700,000 vote lead was erased somehow by the remaining 2,300,000 votes. Do you know what kind of percentage you'd have to have for for, uh, Joe Biden in order to erase a 700,000 vote lead and wind up with an 80,000 vote lead? It can't be done. It's virtually mathematically impossible. So the third U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals in a contemptible, this is a federal court now, contemptible ruling, dismissed the lawsuit by Donald Trump, saying that the campaign's challenge doesn't have merit, saying that voters, not lawyers, choose the president, and ballots, not briefs, decide elections. The ballots here are governed by Pennsylvania election law. Well, let's talk to that issue. Let's speak to that issue, uh, because there's something to be said about it. First of all, they're right when they say that voters, not lawyers, choose the presidents, and that ballots, not briefs, decide elections. But ballots are only good if a voter casts them. If a voter doesn't cast the ballot, if it's cast by somebody else, it shouldn't count as a vote. There's a difference between a vote and a ballot. A vote is something expressing the will of a particular voter. A ballot is a piece of paper that's filled out. Until it's verified as having come from a voter, it's of no validity at all. And we have evidence of massive fraud in Pennsylvania. So this is just a convenient legalese BS argument. And now this lawsuit that alleges these uh, violations of federal law will go to the U.S. US Supreme Court on a fast track. Let's get back to that public hearing I spoke about. The public hearing took place on Wednesday in Gettysburg, Rudy Giuliani was there with a bunch of mathematicians and other people citing all manner of evidence. He was making clear his arguments. But the entire assembly that gathered gasped as the mathematician began explaining some of these things at how in the middle of the night, a huge ballot dump of about 600,000 votes were recorded in the space of about an hour, which was almost unbelievable. And out of these 600,000 ballots, only 3,200 of them were for Donald Trump. The remaining ballots were all for Joe Biden, which is statistically impossible. And there were no down ballot races checked on those Biden ballots. This is massive fraud. This is how they attempted to erase that 700,000 vote lead. And to say that there is no evidence. And all of these things, these mathematical progressions, were backed up 
by people who came forward and testified at the hearing, people who have sworn to these things that they say they saw on the, on the penalty of perjury, they can be prim, criminally prosecuted if it's proven that they were lying. And yet they came forward and substantiated this, how they were kept away from the, from the, the, the ballot counting, how they were moved so far back that their presence basically was meaningless, that they might as well not have been there at all. There was a lot of fugazi things that went on uh, in Georgia. Uh, going back to Georgia, there were, there were things happening where they used the excuse of a sewer pipe breaking. I can't remember if that was in the article um, regarding the Sidney Powell lawsuit, but in one of the articles that I read uh, in the Epic Times or someplace else, that, that uh, sewer pipe that was allegedly broken, they sent people home. Oh, here it is. Yes. Part of the suit that Sidney Powell files mentions a delay in voting at State Farm Arena in Fulton County, where video on November 3rd shows that election workers falsely claimed a water leak required the facility to close. It adds all poll workers and challengers were evacuated for several hours at about 10 p.m. However, several election workers remained unsupervised and unchallenged working at the computers for the voting tabulation machines until after 1 a.m. That is basically prima facie evidence of fraud. They had no business doing that. They had no supervisor. What do you think they were doing there for three hours? They're manufacturing ballots. So we have tremendous fraud readily apparent in Pennsylvania. We have these 96,000 ballots, which Sidney Powell has identified as having to be gotten rid of in the state of Georgia. And we have also people who are willing to testify that in Michigan, Biden-Harris vans showed up in the middle of the night with a bunch of ballots. Everybody thought they were bringing food. They were bringing ballots. Now, unless the U.S. Postal Service subcontracted with the Biden-Harris campaign to deliver U.S. mail, I don't see how they're uh, lawfully able to deliver ballots. So Pennsylvania, where the, the mathematical nature of the fraud is so egregious, having a 700 and almost 800,000 vote turnaround with only 34% of the vote left to be counted or 36% of the vote left to be counted, tells me that I think ultimately Pennsylvania is going to be, if not because of ballot disqualification, uh, just by sheer evidence of fraud, is going to be invalidated. So 254 plus 20 gives us 274. And I've only talked about Michigan, I've only talked about Pennsylvania, Georgia, and Nevada. I haven't spoken about the fact that there's only a 10,000 vote margin in Arizona, and that state has 11,000 votes, and there's a lot of irregularities that have been cited there. I haven't spoken about the fact that uh, I've, I've lightly touched on Michigan. Michigan has 16 votes. Uh, there's similar irregularities there. So, and then Wisconsin, there was a, um, a last-minute thing. I want to get it. Where is it here? I will get it for you. The Amistad Project. The same people. Oh, I didn't. Uh, did I go off that? No, I think I did. I, did, I went off that to go back to um, Pennsylvania. The Amistad Project filed a lawsuit in Michigan. 
Michigan Supreme Court to invalidate the state election results, arguing that state and local officials engaged in unlawful conduct and how they handled the election. And they're going after the Secretary of State and they're going after the governor. The Amistad Project has identified over 150,000 potentially fraudulent ballots in Wisconsin as well. So in addition to their Michigan litigation, they filed an emergency petition in nearby Wisconsin because they have identified over 150,000 potentially fraudulent ballots in that state, more than enough to call into question the validity of the state's reported results. And a representative of the project, Mr. Klein, said in a statement earlier in the week that he noted around 144,000 fraudulent votes were counted and over 12,000 legal votes weren't counted. Now, I believe the margin of error, uh, the margin of victory for Biden in Wisconsin is about 25,000 votes. My point is this, ladies and gentlemen. Do not be dispirited by the fact that the mainstream media is not covering all of this. In total, this is what is still hanging out there that is actually in question that has not been assigned to Mr. Biden. Only the press has. No one legally has assigned it to him. Arizona remains out there undecided with, the, with a ballot count of 11. Georgia remains out there with a ballot count of 16. Michigan remains out there with an electoral ballot count of 16. Pennsylvania is out there with an electoral count of 20. Wisconsin is out there with a count of 10. And Nevada is out there with a count of six. So when you add all these up, 16 and 16 for Michigan and Georgia, that's 32. Another 10 for Wisconsin, that's 42. Another six for Nevada, that's 48. 11 for Arizona, that's 59. And 20 for Pennsylvania, that's 79. 79 electoral votes. 79 electoral votes that the mainstream media has inappropriately granted to Mr. Sleepy Joe Dementia when they actually have not been decided by anyone. Of those 79 votes, Donald Trump only needs 38 of them to get to 270. And there's several ways he can do it. Now, Donald Trump won each and every one of those states in 2016, every single one. He won Michigan, he won Wisconsin, he won Pennsylvania, he rescued those people from poverty, and he restored prosperity to those states. I, I can't get me to believe that those people suddenly voted for the man who was the other half of the team that screwed him in the first place and tried to ruin their industries, Joe Biden. So let's assume that Mr. Trump doesn't win all of those states. If Pennsylvania and Georgia flip, as I suggested, then all he needs is one of the remainders. He needs either Arizona, Wisconsin, Nevada, or Michigan. So the, the notion that there is an insurmountable hurdle for Mr. Trump is ludicrous. He basically needs only two states for sure, and then just one of the remaining. Unless, of course... Uh, the two states are Wisconsin and Nevada, then he needs a little more because Wisconsin and Nevada collectively only hold uh, six votes. But I don't think it's going to come down to that because the real evidence of fraud here, 
the real bulk where, where the where you can really. I mean, I think there's they're going to be able to prove through the software that there was fraud throughout the country and that the overall popular vote total was was affected. It just didn't manifest itself in the change of states because the Republican support in some of the red states was so high that uh, there was no way they could have altered the results of the election. And they wanted to make it look somewhat believable. Nobody would have believed, for instance, if Biden, who never came out of his basement, won the state of Texas. So Texas is probably a lot closer than it should be because they probably reversed votes there. But the bottom line is that this is not a big push. I think that Pennsylvania is going to fall to the president. I think the evidence, the mathematical evidence alone, is so overwhelming of voter fraud there that I don't think any credible person could deny it. And in Georgia, those 96,000, almost 97,000 votes that Sidney Powell has identified, they're going to have to get knocked out. And I think she will be able to knock them out, which will result in Georgia falling to the president. And then you're going to start to see a lot of people get very, 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 very nervous. You'll already notice that they're not running around yelling from the hilltops, speaking about their victory. People are very, very nervous on the left. They don't think it's frivolous. The papers may try to tell you it's all frivolous. The news media is trying to tell you it's all frivolous. But this is just an extension of the voter fraud. This is just an extension of the fraudulent polls, the voter suppression that the polls before the election were trying to engage in. I warned you about this in an October show that I did. I said that there was a nexus. There was a nexus between the polls and the fraud that was going to take place. That the polls were there for one reason. Actually, two reasons. One, to dispirit you. That was the manifest reason that everybody assumed. But the real reason, the ancillary reason, was to set the stage for what's happening now. That when these fraudulent votes came in and resulted in an erasure of clearly what was a Trump victory, that people would just say to themselves, well, the polls did say Biden was going to win, so I guess it all came from the mail-in votes. It was to create a, a climate of acceptance on the part of the electorate. But the electorate is not accepting it. You can't convince people who are thinking logically, that Joe Biden could get more votes than Barack Obama. They came out of the woodwork for Barack Obama. He represented everything they could have hoped for in the ultimate leftist candidate. He was the first African-American president, and they all wanted to be on board voting for him. He underperformed Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton in every major urban area in this country, including the Big Apple, New York City and Los Angeles on the West Coast, and Chicago. Strangely enough, as I've said before on this program, the only urban areas where Biden seemed to have outperformed both Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, which is unthinkable for a man who never left his basement to campaign, were in the metropolitan areas of Milwaukee in Wisconsin, a state with voter fraud, Detroit in Michigan, a state with voter fraud, and Philadelphia and Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania, a state with massive voter fraud, and of course, in the city of Atlanta, Georgia, a place where there also is plenty of voter fraud. All these things are adding up, and it's going to be just too much for people to deny. In addition to all of that, you had this massive blue wave that was predicted and never materialized, and in contrary, and, and contrary to that, we actually had a red wave with 12 
Republicans gaining seats in the House. Every single one of them, either a woman, a minority, or a veteran. Hardly a repudiation of Donald Trump. In fact, Donald Trump was responsible for that red wave. You can't expect us to believe, in light of all this other evidence, that the only casualty in this election is going to be the man responsible for the red wave, Donald Trump. So keep your powder dry. Take heart. Give thanks. If you didn't give it yesterday for everything you have, give thanks today that there are American patriots who are fighting. They are fighting for what your vote actually meant in this election. They're fighting for every legitimate voter in this country who cast a legitimate ballot for Donald Trump. And we know that those votes outnumbered anything cast for Joe Biden. It's a different kind of fight. It's not the kind of fight in the Civil War, which hinged again on the Battle of Gettysburg, but the battle being fought in Gettysburg on Wednesday, and which will be fought in countless courtrooms throughout this country, ultimately winding up at the Supreme Court in Washington, D.C., is a battle being fought with paper, with briefs, with knowledge, and with the full heart of people who still believe in what this country was founded on and hold dear and near to their hearts the ideals expressed by the Founding Fathers. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury.